What's happening guys? Sam Adams here and welcome to a brand new episode of Cabinet today for July the 12th of 2019. Of course, if you are brand new to the program, welcome on in and this is a daily gaming news podcast where I bring you the hottest gaming news from around the industry and I keep you up to date and informed on everything happening in the industry we all love. And ladies and gentlemen, today is a big day or should I say yesterday was a big day because we finally saw the first glimpse of gameplay at this year. Call of Duty via a brand new mode called Gunfight that may be familiar to some of you that played Modern Warfare 3, especially later on in the game's life cycle because 2v2s became a thing, and that's basically what Gunfight is. But we will talk more about the maps shown off, we'll talk more about the engine that we finally got a glimpse of, tons of news to break down in regards to this year's big Call of Duty game. Then we have the tease for the next Call of Duty reveal. Of course, there is no official multiplayer gameplay as you would expect from a regular Call of Duty as of yet, but that is coming soon and I will let you know when you can get your eyes on that sweet, sweet footage. Then Marvel's Avengers SDCC gameplay reveal seemingly won't be made public. The Comic-Con footage is not going to be released, which could spell a pretty bad situation for the Marvel's Avengers game. Alien Isolation developer's new game is a hero-based shooter, or at least that's what it appears to be. Steam has a brand new customizable AI tool that scans your playtime and tells you what to buy next. More algorithms so that you can spend more of your money. Uh, then Stadia's developer partner program has received more than 4,000 applications. That's a good many developers. And finally, we have a follow-up story. Iron Maiden wins as 3D Realms renames its upcoming shooter. They shouldn't have tried to do that in the first place. And of course, if you've never heard about what's going on, stick around. You'll find out something that involves the law. Ooh. Uh, but again, if you are brand new to the program, this show is hosted five days a week, Monday through Friday, live on twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams. Sometime in the morning hours, generally, I have been working overnights, I've been working during the days, it just kind of depends at this point. But don't worry, it's always going to be in the AM time, Eastern time. But if you don't catch it live, you can always find it on youtube.com slash Samuel Adams Media or podcast services around the world, including Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, whatever you might use, you can generally find it there. But without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into today's top gaming news. First off, Call of Duty Modern Warfare's 2v2 Gunfight Multiplayer Mode is a multi-round cage match. A look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2v2 Gunfight Mode was shown yesterday. Multiple Call of Duty streamers play the new 2v2 Gunfight Mode live, and Infinity War provided more information after the fact. According to the information provided, 2v2 Gunfight is a four-player mode where two small teams participate in multi-round cage matches. The duo to win six rounds will be declared the winners. The mode features a series of custom-made confined maps. All four players have the same loadout, which will switch every two rounds. Infinity Ward said a typical loadout is a primary weapon, a secondary weapon, a tactical grenade like a flashbang, and a piece of lethal equipment like a frag grenade. Or in my case, hopefully a throwing knife. Uh, but each team will also switch to the opposite side of the map every two rounds. Rounds last 40 seconds before overtime kicks in, signaling a flag to spawn. The flag will only spawn, though, if one or both players of each duo are still alive when overtime starts. At this point, either team has 10 seconds to capture the flag, which has 3 seconds of capture time. During overtime, the winner is the team which captures the flag or defeats the opposing team. If no one defeats the other team or captures the flag, the duo with the higher health wins. If both sides have the same amount of health, the round is a draw. 
Now, three of the maps included in 2v2 Gunfight were shown off today. You have King, the interior of a warehouse, Pine, the exterior of a dense forest, and Stack, a desert container yard, which is eerily similar, in my opinion, to Rust from Modern Warfare 2, without so much verticality, but still it has the same kind of aesthetic. You can check out a clip from the streamer TP if you did want to see more of the gameplay, but of course the entire streams for all of the streamers affiliated are available on their respective channels. Gunfight is just one multiplayer feature coming to the game, as there will be additional modes, maps, and more, and a full multiplayer reveal of the component will be revealed soon. Let's go ahead and shimmy on into the next story. Call of Duty Modern Warfare's multiplayer reveal is coming next month, and crossplay is on the way. Infinity War gave a first look at multiplayer in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 with a live stream, as we talked about, revealed on the 2v2 gunfight mode, but more details are on the way. A Modern Warfare multiplayer reveal is coming at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on August the 1st. Infinity Ward will show off the game via live stream on its Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Call of Duty. There, you can expect to see more of gunfight and get details about any other modes Modern Warfare is adding to the usual Call of Duty multiplayer suite. I would say this is when you're going to be getting your multiplayer trailer. We are also expecting to hear more about one of the game's biggest new features, crossplay. Infinity Ward first revealed that crossplay was coming to Call of Duty when it announced the game would be a reboot of 2007's Modern Warfare, but featuring a whole new story. It will allow players on all Call of Duty platforms to play with and against each other in multiplayer matches, so regardless of whether you buy the game on PC, Xbox One, or PS4, you will have full Call of Duty community available for multiplayer matches. Infinity Ward also announced it's doing away with the season pass structure for downloadable content with Modern Warfare, so all post-release multiplayer maps will be free to all players. And of course, more is going to be coming in August about the Infinity Ward Modern Warfare progression system. They have said progression will carry across all modes in the game, meaning you'll be able to level up your weapons, unlock new kill streaks, and work towards hitting prestige while playing the game's single player mode as well as in multiplayer and hopefully spec ops. We don't have many details on how that all works yet or how the modes are otherwise linked together, but IW has said it wants Modern Warfare to feel more like one complete experience and less like several distinct games packaged together. And so then this article goes more into gunfight and whatnot, but I wanted to go ahead and merge those two together because it presents what we have now and it also shows off what we have coming. So, of course, let's talk about Gunfight uh, right out of the gate. I watched one of the live streams that was shown off, and I will say, very impressed with Gunfight. And a lot of people were kind of, I guess, upset about the fact that Gunfight was the first thing shown off. Uh, it definitely riled some people up a bit, but I understand what they're doing here. Call of Duty has a very distinct community that is going to be coming back to the game year after year, and has come back to the game year after year, and will continue to come back for 2019 and beyond. And those people, they know what they are going to get, and those people were generally the ones that were complaining. Of course, whenever it comes to the traditional multiplayer experience that you get from Call of Duty that is going to be completely and totally present in 2019's Call of Duty Modern Warfare. But how do you bring in new players? How do you bring in people from different gaming communities? Because there are so many of them in 2019. You show off brand new ways to play the game. Now at its core, at its essence, Gunfight is Call of Duty. That is quite frankly what it is. Needless to say, it's in this year's Call of Duty. Uh, the way the engine works, the way the game looks, the way the game appears to feel, uh, that all is the essence of Call of Duty. But the rules within Gunfight, the round-based combat, uh, the tactical nature of Gunfight 
that all screams to me stuff like Rainbow Six Siege, a very tactical kind of approach to Call of Duty, and so that's bringing in interest from other sections of the gaming industry that might not necessarily always go out and be completely and totally infatuated with every year's Call of Duty. And so they showed off Gunfight to bring in more players to begin with. If you were to do a regular multiplayer reveal, yes, you completely and totally capture the attention of the core audience, but you don't branch out and you don't bring in more people from other kinds of communities. So I totally understand why they went with a gunfight reveal. Now, on the more broad scale, on a, on a broader sense, we saw the engine in action for the first time. Of course, this is a brand new engine for a brand new Call of Duty, stuff that we have never seen before for the series. It looks really good. Now, it's not as different as I had predicted that it would be. I had assumed that we would be seeing a very, very different approach to Call of Duty. And yes, you do have stuff like leaning. Uh, yes, there is a brand new lighting system. But below all of that, you still have a framework that defines the game as a Call of Duty game. And I think that was a pretty good move. Of course, I have not played the game. I have not had hands-on time. So I can't say for sure if my assumptions are correct. But it does look to feel like a Call of Duty game. And I think that at its core is something that really it was needed you can't just go all out and completely change up the experience for a game without having some kind of semblance of of a callback to where the original series originated from now, with all of that being considered, what are we thinking about Call of Duty right now? I can't say for certain what the overall community is going to say, uh, but in my opinion, Call of Duty Modern Warfare is shaping up to be a very good entry in the Call of Duty franchise. I'm looking forward to playing Gunfight. I think it's going to switch things up a good bit, but I am overwhelmingly looking forward to the full multiplayer reveal on August the 1st because, man, do I really want a good Call of Duty game, and I think I'm going to be getting one within 2019's Modern Warfare. It looks like a very promising game that I will absolutely be getting on day one as of right now. Uh, but again, if you do want to check out the four streamers, four or five, I think four, uh, that played around with Gunfight, again, you can check out yesterday's episode of Caffeinate, find the links to their channels, or you can give it a quick Google, and I'm sure that there is a promoted tweet or two out there talking about the brand new modes, the brand new gameplay experiences, and of course, the live streams that show off all of these elements. But... I suppose we will have to wait a couple of weeks until we see the multiplayer gameplay reveal. However, you could be having to wait longer to see more about Marvel's Avengers SDCC gameplay because there is apparently no footage that's going to be made public. It's all for Hall H attendees only. What's the deal with Marvel's Avengers is how Jordan started his gigantic E3 preview at Destructoid, and informative as his write-up may be, it still seems like a perfectly valid question. E3 came and went, and the general populace saw hardly anything about Marvel's Avengers that would help nail down exactly what type of game it is. Fortunately, a proper gameplay reveal is scheduled for San Diego Comic-Con so that everyone can get a first-hand look at the nuts and bolts of the intriguing superhero game. Not so fast! As DualShockers noticed in a recent press release, it seems like what happens at SDCC will stay at SDCC. Square Enix's wording is very calculated, saying, emphasis mime, Join Sean Eskeg, creative director at Crystal Dynamics and the performance cast of Marvel's Avengers for a special presentation that will include new information and the first public gameplay reveal for Hall H attendees only. Why? Assuming this is correct and Square Enix doesn't immediately upload the footage, why keep everyone in the dark? There was significant disappointment after the E3 reveal didn't show enough. This is an opportunity to reverse that perception for everyone, not just the ones who can make it to an extremely crowded convention. There is a decent chance the SDC 
WCC presentation will be the same gameplay that was shown to the press behind E3 at closed doors that was good enough to earn a nomination as one of our best of show games at Destructoid. That seems like something you would want people to see. Why spoil a privileged few while keeping the rest of your demographic on an information blackout? Seems there is such a thing as holding your cards too close to your chest. Now, this game is in a very, very weird situation because a lot of people are looking forward to Marvel's Avengers game. It's got a lot of big names behind it. Uh, but after we saw off, or we saw it off, shotgun, just getting a sawed off shot. Uh, no, after we saw some gameplay from Marvel's Avengers, a lot of people were disappointed because, quite frankly, it wasn't gameplay. It was a very uh, tightly tailored trailer, if you will. And the character models look nothing like the uh, individuals in the movies. But that's a different topic for a different day. We still don't know exactly what this game is. Of course, we know it's a living, breathing game, one that is going to be evolving over time, free updates, uh, potentially even cross-generational. We have a lot of details like that, uh, but nothing that shows off exactly what I'm going to be doing. You can talk about a game all day. You can give me a press release every day of the week, but if I don't see gameplay, I don't know what I'm getting. I need gameplay before I get anywhere behind Marvel's Avengers. Of course, with the name Avengers, it's already going to sell very well just because... It's the Marvel Cinematic Universe put into a game format. Yes, people are going to be interested in getting in on that experience. But we do need some gameplay. So hopefully the SDCC gameplay is going to be revealed online. I need some kind of definitive information, some kind of gameplay footage to show me exactly what I'm getting into when it comes to Marvel's Avengers brand new game. Uh, but overall, if you did want to go to San Diego Comic-Con, you can check out that footage if you do happen to get into Hall H and see exactly what they have up their sleeves for the game that features Marvel's Avengers. Did I mention that the Avengers is made by Marvel? I That's just one of those things where they always have to emphasize that, and I don't really understand why. Uh, but Alien Isolation Dev's new game appears to be a hero-based shooter. A game like Overwatch or Apex Legends, maybe it very well could be. Creative Assembly, the developer behind the hugely popular first-person survival horror game Alien Isolation, has been working on a brand new IP. The studio has remained rather secretive on its latest project, but a new job opening at Creative Assembly hints that the game could be a hero-based shooter. First noticed by VG247, Creative Assembly is looking for a lead hero designer to work on a groundbreaking FPS. The role asks for someone who can lead the creative process for exciting playable characters that each have a range of amazing thought and play-provoking specialties. It sounds like Creative Assembly is designing a first-person shooter game that features a cast of diverse, playable characters that each possess their own unique set of skills and abilities, much like Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, and Apex Legends. The hero lead designer role also asks applicants to have a broad understanding of monetization, rewards and art production, and a willingness to provide guidance on visual design and cosmetics. This further reinforces the comparison to the hero-based shooters listed above as all three feature cosmetics tied to some form of microtransactions. Earlier job postings at Creative Assembly have referred to the developer's new title as a tactical shooter, but not much else is publicly known about the game. Given that hero shooters have been done for a while now, it's unlikely the groundbreaking description of the game is in reference to hero-focused combat. What is more likely is that Creative Assembly is designing a game that utilizes hero-based combat in a genre that hasn't been done much of before, similar to how Respawn innovated on hero-focused shooters by putting those mechanics into a battle royale game. Or they could just be trying to generate some hype, and, and you could just be saying it's groundbreaking even though it's not. Whoa, did I make that assumption? My bad, I didn't mean to go all out there. But interesting to say the least that we have a brand new hero-based shooter, and when it comes to the overall gaming space, there is a lot of saturation in pretty much every area. 
the hero-based shooter isn't that saturated. Now, yes, you do have more elements of a hero-based shooter coming into play in games like Apex Legends, in games like Overwatch, in games like Rainbow Six Siege. But even between those, those are incredibly different and diverse experiences as compared to each other. Uh, to see a brand new game come out that would take elements from those games and make something new, that still has a huge potential to succeed. Of course, Alien Isolation, a very big game, uh, but overall, excited to see what the guys behind the scenes are up to over there at Creative Assembly, because I think there's a lot of potential here. Uh, the one thing I want to say about these elements of all these games, whether it be Battle Royale, whether it be hero-based, whatever element you want to focus on, we are living in an era where things are being combined and experiments are being done because money is being made throughout the industry that allows these experiments to be performed. You can try new things, you can you can experiment and see if something could be the next big thing uh, without really having to worry about one failure being a make it or break it nine times out of ten. Now sometimes that is the case and that's a very unfortunate situation, but at the same time, it's cool that we have an industry where we can try new things and see if something new could be the next big shebang. Bang. The next big bugaloo. The next big explosive dire... Yeah, it could be big. Uh, but moving on to the next topic of the day. Steam's new customizable AI tool scans your playtime and tells you what to buy next, just in case you needed more for your backlog. Just days after the end of a summer sale that laid bare many of Steam's issues with helping people discover new games, Valve has announced a new section dedicated to experiments around discoverability, video, machine learning, and more. It's called Steam Labs, and the first bits of mad video game science are to emerge very soon, and they are promising. For now, Steam Labs has three active experiments, micro-trailers, an interactive recommender, and an automated daily half-hour show about games. Micro-trailers are pretty straightforward. Steam presents you with selections of sex second trailers, organized by genre, curator selections, or other categories. If you are intrigued by what you see of a particular game, you can click on it to visit the store page. It seems to be inspired by long-running Twitter account Steam Trailers in 6 Seconds, a proven and useful game discovery tool. The automated show is assembled from similarly brief clips of games, but with multiple micro-trailers for each game assembled in a quad displayed set to music. I tried watching the first episode, Nathan Grayson says, at Kotaku, but I got bored a couple of minutes in, given that it was basically the micro-trailers feature, except I wasn't in control. The goal originally was for Steam to automatically generate voiceover descriptions for games store pages, but then Valve remembered that robots are weird. In text-to-speech tasks, the computer-generated voice we use sounded a little silted, so we tabled that for a bit, the company wrote on a new features Steam page. We are working on that, though. The main event is the impromptu lab tour. It's easily the interactive recommender. It's a neural network model that is trained to recommend games based on a user's playtime history, along with other salient data, based on many millions of Steam users and many billions of play sessions. But it's not just an automated list of games. While it initially crunches numbers by chewing on your most played games, you are also able to tell what kinds of games you want to see. The majority of my most played games, for example, are RPGs like Divinity Original Sin 2, The Witcher 3, and Fallout New Vegas but I was able to adjust sliders so that I could see progressively more or less niche and newer or older games. With the sliders alone, I was able to configure it so that I got a selection of intriguing games across multiple genres, many of which I didn't know and only a few of which, like Yeek, I knew were definitely bad. In addition, you can restrict games by tags. 
Initial response to these tools from both users and developers seems positive, a far cry from the torrents of doom, gloom, and confusion that have followed recent Steam announcements. Valve notes, however, that these tools are works in progress and some might never escape the lab's blue-hued blackness to see the light of day. Some of them may turn out great, Valve wrote on the Steam Labs landing page, others we may toss out. We hope that most will be improved with your feedback and go on to be a part of Steam. This is the way of Steam Labs. And so it's cool to see generally positive feedback to something Steam is doing. Uh, it seems like they've gotten a bad rap over the past few months by trying new ideas that haven't necessarily panned out. But I think people often forget that in order to have ideas that pan out, you have to have many that fail. And that's pretty much what we've been seeing from Steam. With everything that's shown off in Steam Labs as of today, I will say there is a lot of potential here, and Steam is going through a bit of a metamorphosis because of the competition as presented from Epic Games and from other online retailers that are actually becoming competitors to Steam, genuine competitors. For the first time in the platform's history, it actually has some competition. Uh, and so that's pushing them to try new things, to really create an experience for gamers uh, that they want to come and experience. That's essentially what it comes down to. Now that we have options, Steam has to make themselves look to be the best option. And that is a good place to be if you're a gamer. Uh, that was a weird way to say that. I hate I hate it when people call people gamers just because it's like, like a little, you're a little gamer. Uh, but that's beside the point. Let's get back on focus. Steam's new customizable AI tool that scans your playtime and tells you what to buy next sounds very promising. But I think the biggest feature that we have here is the fact that you can slide uh, various sliders and change exactly what you are shown. Because the first thing that popped up in my mind was the fact that I've got hundreds of hours in PUBG and I have absolutely no desire to have any kind of game similar to PUBG recommended to me. So to be able to crank that slider down and to be able to crank up something like an RPG, to be able to crank up something like an open world uh, exploration game, to be able to crank up action and adventure, that sounds really cool and that sounds like something that could be a potential promising feature that helps me discover games that I actually want to play. Uh, even in today's day and age where you would think that algorithms would have discoverability down to a science, no pun intended, uh, then you would be shocked because that's kind of not the case. Uh, so hopefully big news will be coming soon about uh, more of these experiments making their way into the main reel of Steam, the main line of Steam, uh, but nothing as of yet. However, Steam Labs sounds very promising and it sounds like a very cool tool as well. However, you know what else is cool? Google Stadia, at least to some people. For me, it's pretty much a hit or a miss, but Stadia's Dev Partners program has received more than 4,000 applications. Google has received more than 4,000 applications for its Stadia Partners program, and despite the sizable influx, the company says that it is reviewing each and every application individually to find games that would be a good fit for the cloud-based platform. That fact, along with some suggestions on what to keep in mind when going through the application process, was something mentioned by technical account manager Sam Cochran, Corcoran, perhaps, at Develop Brighton this year, according to PC Games Insider. Corcoran, I believe, again, is how you say the name, told those in attendance that the goal of the program is to link Google up with developers interested in launching a game on Stadia, and encourages developers to consider how their games will work in some of Stadia's more novel features when crafting their pitches. Think about if the access Stadia provides does anything particular for your game, says Corcoran. If access from any device has an impact on the design of your game, and also what new opportunities are out there thanks to the ease of access. 
And that's the end of the story, very abrupt. Uh, but a couple of points that I want to make here. Number one, 4,000 applications. Developers are interested in Google Stadia. That is very promising to me. That shows interest from the developer side of things. And when developers are interested, the experiences come. And when the experiences come, gamers become more interested in playing on whatever platform we may be talking about for that day. In this case, Google Stadia. Now, on top of that, I think it's also very interesting to see that they are going through individually and selecting things that would be well-fitted for Google Stadia. And that is an incredibly important element here whenever you're talking about what games you want on your platform. Because for a lot of people, brand new tech is risky. And I want to bring back the Ouya. Think about the Ouya in your mind for a moment. The reason the Ouya failed was, number one, because it was underpowered, number two, because it was poorly marketed, but number three, because there were so many bloated trash games on the system. Of course, as compared to PlayStation and Xbox, where the stores are at least somewhat curated, Ouya was basically open. You could pretty much put whatever you wanted on it. Of course, that was cracked down later in its life, but overall, there was just so much bloatware on the Ouya that people thought that it was just a trash console because it was filled with trash games. Uh, and so, whenever you have that, that becomes a problem, and that's pretty much why the Ouya died one of many reasons, but that's part of the reason why the Ouya died. Stadia needs to avoid that situation entirely, and going through and curating the experiences had on Stadia uh, individually is the best approach to ensure that the games on Stadia are all of a high enough quality uh, that it does make the system and the platform itself look better instead of worse. And that's pretty much why they're doing what they're doing today. Uh, so again, if you do want to check out Google Stadia coming later in 2019 for those that are founders, and then in 2020, you are getting a full rollout with a free tier, uh, tons of new features coming for the brand new streaming gaming platform. But finally, let's talk about Iron Maiden. Run to the hills, 3D Realms, because they have had to rename their shooter Ion Fury used to be Iron Fury, and also used to have a font that looks just like Iron Maiden. No more having it autocorrected to Iron Maiden, they say at Destructoid. Sounds like they've run into this problem before. Hey, remember that lawsuit we told you about a few weeks ago over the game Ion Maiden? Well, it looks like it's come to its inevitable end. 3D Realms has announced that rather than fight it out in court, it is changing the name of its upcoming build engine shooter to the less litigious, lit litigious? I always hate that word. The less legally binding Ion Fury. After careful consideration, we have decided to rename our first-person shooter Ion Maiden to Ion Fury, said Mike Nielsen, CEO of 3D Realms, in a press release. A lot of thought went into this, but most importantly, it would be a disservice to our loyal fan base and the fantastic developers to drag out a long lawsuit. The amazing gameplay, interactivity, and pure fun is what makes Ion Fury a great game, not the title. It's completely understandable that this is the route 3D Realms would take and should be a lesson to everyone out there thinking about naming their books, bands, games, movies, or anything else after a person or group of people they love. It's a lesson we all should have learned decades ago, after Steve Jobs decided to name his computer company after the Beatles record company, setting off a series of lawsuits that spanned the 80s through 2006. In addition to a name change, 3D Realms has also dropped this new announcement trailer, giving us a greater look at everything it and developer Voidpoint are doing with that old school build engine. And of course, you can check that out there. 
Yep, still looks badass. Ion Fury is currently in Steam Early Access for $19.99, but starting July 18th, the price will jump to $24.99 as 3D Realms closes in on the August 10th launch of version 1.0. The game is also coming to PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, however, those release dates have not been set as of yet. And of course, this was the inevitable end to the Ion Fury situation, or should I say the Ion Maiden. Uh, whenever you have a game like this coming out that blatantly is, is hinting at the fact that it's somewhat affiliated maybe with a major IP, a major band, a major name, uh, whatever you want to call it, that's always a risky situation if you don't have permission beforehand. Now, the game itself looks okay. Uh, again, it's not going to be one that blows me away. It depends on the gameplay overall. Uh, but clearly, going for that 80s, 90s aesthetic, uh, clearly going for that heavy metal kind of vibe that you would get from, like, an Iron Maiden band. Uh, but overall, cool-looking game, one that definitely has callbacks to Wolfenstein, Doom, the days of old, if you will, and one that I think definitely is going to find some kind of fan base. But the name itself is definitely going to be doing... Uh, Obviously something uh, correct legally, but at the same time not nearly as interesting as Ion Maiden, which again was a pretty good name. But not for those that are interested in being in line with the law, and apparently they are. Which is a pretty good choice because that could be a big headache going forward. And again, if they had taken this to court, would it really be worth it? Probably not. I apologize, guys. It just probably wouldn't have been worth it monetarily or for the fact that it would have just kept you in the news for trying to pretty much rip off the name of a major rock band legendary rock band. Iron Maiden is fantastic. Uh, but that rounds out today's top gaming news. Of course, if you are brand new to the show, I do hope you enjoyed today's program, and be sure to hit that subscribe button if you are listening on YouTube. Be sure to subscribe on podcast services around the world, or if you want to watch the show live, you can find it five days a week sometime in the morning at twitch.tv slash Samuel Adams, but be sure to follow me on Twitter at PrettyChillGuy. Do all of that stuff, and of course, links for all of this stuff are in the description box down below if you're on podcast and YouTube. But until next time, you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. I will talk to you soon, and peace.